This is Larissa Raleigh hosting a podcast, Travel and Creativity. This is Laura Volpin-Pesta, and she is a fashion illustrator, an Mm -hmm. author. She has her own podcast as well. Mm -hmm. And your book, you can buy her book on Amazon, The Language of Fashion Design, and courses on digital illustration and pattern making. And she's a singer. Laura is my multi-talented multilingual friend. Oh, thank you. What a nice introduction, Larissa. Thank you. And if you go to her Instagram feed, you'll see a lot of inspiration from Brazil. Um, mm-hmm. Choice of fabrics, choice of colors. And so one of the things, I mean, I don't even know much about your background, like, you know, growing up, your influences, how you speak mm. Portuguese, mm. Your interest in fashion. I mean, I know this could be a whole volume, but just these are some things you can touch on. Um, and as you say, each one, my mind lights up in all these different ways. I think one thing that influenced me a lot was that my parents, I was born in Mexico City because my father went to college in Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's this identification with that other culture and um, what that must have been like. And, but there was always this story of Mexico and there were these albums my dad would play these mariachi albums that I couldn't believe what I was hearing, how much feeling there was in this music that I knew was not of my, the world around me, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, all these feelings that I've never felt expressions I've never seen or heard. There's there's other worlds out there. Mm -hmm. And that was just one example of how I was always fascinated by other cultures. Um, That was your parents speak. Spanish? So they did speak Spanish in Mexico. I really never saw them speaking Spanish around me. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandparents spoke a little bit of Italian, but they discouraged us learning it because they said it was just a dialect. I studied Spanish in high school, but I didn't really absorb that much of it. But then I went and lived in Paris for one year, and that's when I really learned my first language because I was living in it. Oh, yeah. I have, well, I have, do you have a question? I remember one time you commented on one of my Facebook posts because I go to Paris sometimes. Um, <sighs> I'm curious if you can think back to that year that you mm-hmm. lived there, mm-hmm. and if you kind of remember the person that you were because you're a different person now, obviously, but that person that was there, how did you feel when you lived in Paris compared, you know, compared to before you went living there? Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel like you had become a different person Mm-hmm. And things, you know, things that uh, encouraged your self-expression or self-evolution or whatever during that year that you were in Paris. Yeah, um, a, a bunch of things. I mean, the first thing I thought of when you said, "How did you feel in Paris?" I remember I used to run into groups of pigeons in the town squares just to make sure I existed because I felt so invisible. Yes. <laughs> if there were a bunch of pigeons in a park and I noticed that if I ran, they'd all scatter and I'd be like, okay, I must be here <laughs> because otherwise I feel so invisible here. Yeah. When you don't speak the language and mm-hmm. you don't, you know, you're not part of that system somehow. And as an American, I felt very large and loud, like um, like a bull in a china shop a lot of times, mm-hmm. because like everything was tinier and more, yeah, tiny. Another thing I noticed how different I felt around race relations 
mm-hmm. I felt, you know, this is maybe hard to talk about, but it's so close to my heart because I feel the, the pain that we feel in the United States. Everybody experiences different facets of our history and, and our race culture. But when I was in Paris, I didn't feel it the same at all. Like, I found that I would agree. Everything has a different narrative. Yes. I felt a relief, a sense of relief. Like I was more able to make friends across cultures when I was there. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, I remember that a lot of pretty politically clueless at the time that they would be like, you know, we're not supposed to be talking. You're American (laughs) and I'm from here. And we'd spend a whole day together talking. And I was so, clueless i didn't even know that there was some history of anger between our people and their people it's, um but they knew but i didn't know but i just felt there was all this freedom to meet people in peace that i in my own territory i knew who i wasn't supposed to ah, it's hard to describe this but i felt a freedom there that made me realize that it's all social construct mm-hmm. and it's not as real as it feels when you're used to being in your own place. That's a good way. To that there's another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like to say that cultures are like filters and that when you're in a different culture, you realize what parts of you disappear or change and which parts of you stay the same. It, it's a filter. <laughs> and the part that stays the same is maybe more the essence of you does that make sense makes sense to me i know exactly what you're talking about um i bet you do Mm -hmm. i i would like add on to it Mm -hmm. that you start realizing that you can choose Mm -hmm. the parts or the narrative that you want to tell Mm -hmm. when you've had your eyes opened or seen the freedom of another way Mm. Another narrative or something some piece of a culture or a piece of a personality that is um developed in when you maybe when you're living in some other country and suddenly you realize you have the freedom to actually choose and when you go back to your your first country or your home country depending on mm-hmm. how you look at it you don't have to fit in as you had before you have uh some freedoms you've experienced mm. other things Yes, it's almost like I needed to be in another country to grant myself permission for things that I already wanted but was censoring in a way, like, you know. And I think I still look to other cultures for certain freedoms because I think I'm so sensitive to the restraints of my own society or something. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly looking for a way out so that I can be a free person, you know, it's an interesting inner dialogue. It is. And so then I want to connect some of this to, you're such a creative person in many fields, in many ways of being creative. Mm-hmm. And that I, obviously I think the sense of freedom mm. gets transmitted into um, artistic freedom and creative freedom. Mm-hmm. More specifically maybe on what influences of different countries and maybe different languages. Like, I don't know. I mean, mm. I say languages because the languages until you can speak them, they're kind of musical and mm-hmm. um, with your fashion design and your music, there's obviously heavy Brazilian, in, at least 
I think it's Brazilian influence. Um, <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> what, you know, how all that came about for you, because that's not Mexico anymore and it's not the U.S. So true. And I wonder, I mean, gosh, it's so weird when you look back, how many things were maybe just meant to be. Because the, oh. town, I grew, the town I grew up in ended up one town over, like literally 10 minutes away. We had a humongous influx of Brazilian immigration that actually dwindled now, like we still have. But at the time that I moved from New York City back to my hometown, mm -hmm. there was a boom a huge boom. I was literally like immersed <laughs> in language and everything right here in Connecticut. Wow. And music, food, fashion, soccer games. <laughs> and, and that also happened to be coincidentally a really golden time of, in Brazilian music. In the late 90s, there was a certain, especially in Bahia, there was a big surgence of incredible great music like timbalada and um the all the bahia carnival bands like even now people are still going back to those songs from that era and wow. so i was lucky that i got to live that with so much immersion but another piece it's from the word freedom seems to be the biggest one is that like when i got to paris and i saw the Af there was a huge West African immigrant community from like Senegal and Mali. Mm -hmm. And um, I kept being like, oh my God, I'm seeing colors I've never seen before. How can there be colors I've never seen before? Like, oh, I've wow. studied art. I mean, there's only so many colors, right? Mm -hmm. Why? How could I have been hidden from these colors? And I realized it's not the that I haven't seen those colors. It's just that when you put them together in different ways, you perceive them differently. Mm -hmm. And what our cultures as a whole, God, there's so many overlapping pieces. What our culture might call clashing, which has a negative connotation, mm -hmm. is actually vibration. It's energy. It's not clashing at all. It's it's just like um, when, when jazz musicians started adding that one note, you know, that wasn't in classical music, a whole, uh, a whole aesthetic and a whole emotional world was released, you know. Wow. And every culture has their own colors. Like, mm -hmm. we know this, right? We look at India. Some of it comes from the spices and the indigenous local things. But then other colors, I don't even know how they become but I realized that in my own culture, like, you know, when you go clothes shopping, you realize you can't actually find the red you were looking for. Yes. And you're like, that's scary. That's like mind control. Like, where, where's my red? <laughs> I need to feel this. Um, it's interesting. It's like, I want to have all the feelings. I want to, we have that hunger to expand our experience of life and other cultures can give us that. Right. Unlock some things for us, yeah. It, it could be in a music or a rhythm pattern or um, a kind of movement. Oh, and when I was talking about colors being called clashing, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of ways that our one culture uses certain values to spin a negative light on other cultures. Yes. Mm -hmm. you know? And I love undoing that all the time because the more I can love and see beauty in everyone else, the happier human being I am, right? <laughs> Wonderful. We all want that. Well, it's what we strive for, I guess. Right. 
Peace and love. <laughs> Speaking of color, do you have a favorite color? For many years, I feel like it's, I really do feel like we relate to certain colors, maybe because they somehow vibrate off us like spiritually or something. Mm -hmm. Like for the past, since I discovered Brazil, I really fell in love with that like royal blue, green, yellow, white mm -hmm. that's on their flag. Not just because it's on their flag, but those colors are not that often seen together in our culture. Mm -hmm. And I noticed they, they're so vibrant. They're so, I don't even have words for them. They make me feel a certain way though. So especially the blue and white, mm -hmm. they make me feel so light and clear. And I just know that means something. Even if I can't define it, I know that means something for me. So I keep those colors around me. But I noticed that it, 10 years later, I feel like they're not, I feel like I'm moving toward a new color and I don't know what it is. It's interesting, right? Like it's interesting, yeah. Very personal experience. You probably have a similar experience. You have a certain. Do you have a well, certain? I, I um, you know, for myself, for colors, it. Mm -hmm. I can't answer one color is my favorite color because it right. depends. Like I have a favorite color I might like wearing. Mm -hmm. Another color, for example, maybe if I could pick any color for my car, there might be a different color I would want for my car. Mm -hmm. um, and so it depends on the context the person the purpose or the context for the color makes sense or what my favorite color is like do i want it on my walls or not <laughs> or, and i also can relate to what you say about countries certain countries especially if you have a lot of interaction with people or go to the country mm -hmm. yet i do have color associations and sometimes it can be the flag because they picked those colors on the flag for a reason i mean mm. if they're not always aware they i think they do potentially represent something like Morocco has this lovely, I love the red they have <laughs> uh, on their flag. And I don't know that I would have, because it's on their flag, you're going to see the flag around, but then it's also used in some of the buildings and things like that, or mm. tonalities that are similar. Mm -hmm. that, that color now, I have an association, that specific kind of reddish uh, color towards Morocco now. Mm-hmm have before and maybe i create the meanings it's hard to say <laughs> because once i make the association that i'm going to start building on it and when i interact with moroccan people i'm going to somehow interweave that with whatever that color means to me or oh, i create the meaning i don't know you said meaning as soon as i was thinking the word you know meaning it's like that quote Leo, that we everything we see has the meaning we give it yeah ultimately right but those meanings matter that's how we navigate our world is through the meaning that we give everything right and it can give us joy comfort it can help us remember something we didn't want to remember it can help us remember something we do and that's why when i see quote unquote new colors i feel free because i feel like my world just got bigger i like i like that the world just got bigger when i think of you i think of turquoise because i do it's one of my favorite colors. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you exude turquoise. I totally <laughs> got that from you. <laughs> for a long while. Um, but I'll tell you, I have another little story. So sometimes when I'm in the country for a while, like more than a week, uh -huh. more than a month even. So once I come back to the States, like certain changes happen so slowly, you don't even realize that you've sort of adapted or that you've uh. or you've picked up 
certain things. And so I, after being in Tahiti for three months, when I came back to the States, my first reaction was, oh my God, everyone wears these muted, it's like gray, black, and dark brown, <laughs> maybe dark, dark navy thrown in there, <laughs> and white. And I, I was like, oh my, and I looked at my closet and I had so much of that. I'm like, I've got to throw it all out. I can't wear this stuff anymore. I, it, I can't wear it anymore. When I tell my, when I'm teaching fashion illustration, I always have to tell my students, okay, in our, you know, most of the fabrics that you pick up, if you're trying to paint them, you're going to have to kill the color. I call it killing the color. I said, yeah. in our culture, 90% of the fabrics you pick up is going to be a dead color. So let's say there's a pure orange. Uh -huh. You have to add black or blue to it to kill it so it's not vibrant because the colors we buy are mostly gray or brown with a little tinge of color added. Yep. But it's yeah. so hard to find a saturated hue of undiluted hue. Just vibrancy. <laughs> yes. And I crave it. We crave it. I don't know it. You know, it may be so systematic because we have, we have this thing about bright, loud, and clash. Those are cultural judgments on colors that, for me, I'm just like, Bring it on. It makes me feel powerful and good. <laughs> I have a Brazilian friend who said that when she lived in Brazil, she always wore black because she wanted to be different. But then after she moved to the States, she only wears like tropical bright colors to be different. That's funny. Yeah. Um, it's funny, right? It is. It is. It's just travel and the experiences we have, whether it I mean, it can be color. Some people it might be more the cooking, or the, it could be the music, uh, mm -hmm. social interactions. But yeah, they, you know, we you start realizing not to take for granted in your own country. You like start looking. Oh, I don't have to wear black here, or I don't want to wear black here, or well, along. Do you have like when you're speaking Portuguese, mm -hmm. do you feel different? Ah, yes. <laughs> you know, if I'm. The more comfortable I am, the more easy it is to speak. Like sometimes I'll have a harder time and sometimes it's just effortless. But aside, oh. aside from that, I think somehow, like when I sing, I always prefer to sing in Portuguese. Why is that? I'm, I always ask myself why that is. Is it because the, the word, the meanings are more open-ended to me because it's not my mother tongue, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or is it actually because the, the emotions and the are still ones we don't express in our poetry, at least in my experience. I still feel like it offers me freedoms I don't have. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, maybe it's because the poetry is so beautiful. Sometimes I notice that in their music, um, the music from the Northeast of Brazil, they use a lot of uh, very rhythmic, fast language. Mm -hmm. I guess not like almost like sort of a rap, but it's melodic, but it's, they use a lot of rhythm in the language itself that you also don't find here. Uh, do you have a favorite rhythm? I love the Northeast. So, so that includes two kinds of things. So it's kind of like the country music of mm -hmm. like Pernambuco, like the Fajá and the Bayão, mm -hmm. which has a bass drum and a triangle. But then there's like Bahia, which is very African, West African, a lot of West, like sacred drumming comes into the pop music. And all of those musics for me, it's not just the rhythm, but it's also the kind of melodies. They're very sentimental, much more than I feel in my local culture's music. Mm -hmm. And they also deeply waken up my life force. And that's the thing with Brazil, I think, is the life force.
mm-hmm. that I feel in that music. I just make, it makes me smile. It makes my cheeks hurt. <laughs> yeah, you can't stop. You can't not. I also believe music, music can get you in trouble that way sometimes too. <laughs> really, I feel like you can be hypnotized or put into like under a spell by a song. <laughs> when I look back on some of the relationships I had in my 30s, I'm like, it was the music. <laughs> you never would have done that if it weren't for the music. <laughs> well, maybe it's a happiness spell. Hypnotized mm. into happiness in, in, yeah. in today's in in your today life, not in your thirties, but in today's. Yeah, because uh, I'm not just American. I'm actually a New Englander. You know, it's so puritanical. I'm an East Coast, Northeast, um, United States girl. You know, <laughs> it's not very much in the sensual like. It's much more puritanical roots where I grew up. So I'm always feeling that in the air. You know, uh-huh. yeah. Looking for some of the um, your like the experiences you had with the, the Brazilian communities and other mm-hmm. travels to Paris, or maybe your memories in Mexico. Mm-hmm. When you're creating fashion or singing or writing your own songs, mm-hmm. do you find that your um, that some of the your travels are being translated into your clothing design or your pattern design? Um, mm-hmm. Wow, this is so interesting because the first thing that came to mind was not so much my travels, but my actual yearning. Uh I don't know if, you know, sometimes you'll hear, I don't know where to start. I always felt like I grew up in sort of a vacuum and that's probably because I take my own, like, you know how you think everyone has an accent, but you, and you don't realize you have an accent because that's what you grew up with. Right. (laughs) So I often felt like I didn't grow up with a, culture because I guess because I was so used to it it's like I, I had bits of my Italian grandparents culture southern Italian grandparents or but I kind of felt like in in the U.S. we were all assimilating somehow to some culture that was uh, undefined to me mm-hmm. and so I always wanted roots I always wanted to have this sense of like knowing what things were supposed to be like Uh Um, in a way that was different than uh how do i say this i always wanted roots and i think when brazil i saw a lot of things that reminded me of my grandparents Mm -hmm. like a little lace lace tablecloths and black coffee and (laughs) and coffee cake and people around the table but i felt like in brazil those things were still alive and in my culture they were always disappearing so for me, it's like, I'm always wanting to get back to some, how did we start? How did we begin? And what are we losing? How do we get it back? Mm-hmm. Even though I think that if I was in a traditional culture, I would probably be a big rebel of some kind. <laughs> it's a total, it's a total paradox, right? I would, I would rebel against the rules and yet I crave tradition or roots. It's an interesting paradox. I, I don't think you're the only one. Mm, right like all this i one conversation that always gets my heart racing is appropriation and Mm -hmm. i at the same time i definitely you know i don't like to see some billion billion dollar companies have no right to take someone's sacred imagery and throw it on a t-shirt and not credit it and all that and try to and at the same time i understand that artists like myself I'm chasing the sacred. I'm looking, I'm trying so hard to find it and feel it through visual culture that we are 
quote, stealing or borrowing or moved by cultures that still have it. Because I think we are kind of learning that we aren't sacred. I mean, that's what comes across through TV and pharmaceutical ads, you know. <laughs> You're not sacred. Just take a pill and get a job, you know. So I feel like we're really searching for our our meaning in the world and a sense of how holy and magical and deep everything is. That's a really nice way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be my experience. Because on some level we're being, I feel that we're often being told that, you know, we're not that, we don't matter much. <laughs> and it's painful. <laughs> so when we see things that feel, that remind us of the truth, the truth of us and the truth of life, then uh, we're automatically drawn to it. And that can make us make decisions that could be offensive to others sometimes, right? Like color is sacred. I mean, if it makes you feel something and if it, yeah. It's a, they're inter- I mean, they're all interesting conversations, right. topics that are out there right now. Right. Um, and so some people are inspired and when I say inspired, not just cre- creatively, but also self-expression and freedom that comes about mm-hmm. self-development that comes about mm-hmm. the travel and I'm using the word travel a bit broadly because mm-hmm. as you mentioned you had a community kind of move in 10 minutes away at like mm-hmm. a large influx and so you had an exposure to another culture up close which some people only get through travel yes it was it, rather than them being in my space I was truly in their space right even though they're here which does add another layer but definitely i was submitting to everything you know like how do i fit in here how do i get by here um and i i think you were probably because you were american and you you probably were a bit of a connector for them certain ways in the u.s oh you you just have to go to the bank and do this or you just go to the post office Oh, it's so funny because that's what I think my grandma did for um, my grandpa and his friends because she grew up here, but they didn't. And that definitely, I took on that role yeah. at that time. But the another thing, this is very interesting. I have to say this, it, and it works both ways. When I got to New York City and I started hanging out with German jazz musicians, they taught me to value my culture especially Afro-American history and music, like everything I didn't know, like all the music I listened to that, that white Americans, all the music that was popular, that it had all its roots in black church, black history. Mm-hmm. And then I was missing, I didn't know, I was so blind to all of it. And I spent the rest of my life still, you know, learning that. And at the same time, it's the other way around. Brazilians I meet or say, oh my God, you know so much about our history and our music. I don't even, you know, I don't even know those songs. Or, huh? well, I think, well, I think it is common that sometimes, just, just as you were saying, the parallel with, oh, you know, no one thinks they have an accent. You don't right. even know what's around you sometimes. Right. on to something else. And it's likewise for the other people. They're drawn yeah. to things. And yeah, for sure. I, le- I learn things about my own culture from other people sometimes because they right. leave it differently and have a different exposure or they're coming at it from a different place. And it opens up worlds as well to hear their, their perceptions. I love hearing, you know, yeah. oh, what was your impression of Chicago or what did you <laughs> How did, what, what did you feel about this or how did, I don't, whatever. 
So. Like someone from the outside sees it so differently. Mm -hmm. I mean, I meet people all the time, you know, foreigners that are here that have seen the whole country. <laughs> I've only seen a few states. You know, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, you know my land. Oh yeah. If this is my land, you know, and I, I don't know it. Think back to Sugar Man. You know, he he became so famous in South Africa and yet mm. it just fell into oblivion here. So it's mm -hmm. it's fairly common. I had a student at Parsons in continuing ed whose husband was an ethnomusicologist. And I was like, the minute she told me that, I started doing cartwheels because that was my dream. I really just want to be an ethnomusicologist. And she said it's really funny because, you know, the school's in New York City. And whenever people ask her, you know, where does he do his field research? She says, in Queens. You know, <laughs> I was like, I totally get you. <laughs> It's not like he's like hopping airplanes and going into the forest of wherever. He's like in a neighborhood in Queens where he's immersed in a certain tradition. And I'm like, that's me in Danbury, Connecticut. <laughs> oh, that's, that's wonderful. We're going to wrap it up because we're getting to the end of time. Mm -hmm. This was Laura Volpentesta, fashion illustrator and singer. She offers online digital illustration courses and pattern making. You can find her on Instagram, Lauren Bolton Pesta. She has a book, Language of Fashion Design, Fashion Illustration Tribe. Follow her wonderful creations, her bright, colorful, I don't I think they're wonderful. They're just- Thank you so much, Larissa. A lot of energy and vibrancy uh, <laughs> to our world. Oh, and she's a singer as well, so you can catch her. Sometimes she has some clips of her performances. Uh, out in, in on Insta and yeah. stuff, right? So thank you, Laura. And I can't thank I, you enough for inviting me. That just makes me so happy. It's so nice to chat with you too. This is Larissa Raleigh hosting Travel and Creativity. You can find me on my website, LarissaRaleigh.com, L-A-R-I-S-S-A-R-O-L-L-E-Y.com, or over on Instagram. Thanks for listening.